Well, good evening. This is the first time I can say in my life that I have ever preached in a fire station, and I want to thank so much the fire station here, um, the captain and, and the members of the local fire department on Conkey for allowing us to come in here because of the bad weather we've had this year with all the rain. And it's very nice of them to pull out their ambulances here and allow us to come in here and sing praises to God and also to have a time that we can study in the Word of God. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. And besides, if I kill you, hey, look at all these people who are around here that can do CPR on you. They can even give you oxygen and stuff. There's even an ambulance right here. So we're all set. But before we begin, let's open in prayer and ask God to just bless our time. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have that we can come in here pausing from our heavy workload that we've had this day. And Lord, as we just explore what your word has to tell us, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that Lord, you would guide us, that you would open up our eyes, our minds to be able to see things clearly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to talk about corals. You can see I'm standing here holding a very large brain coral. I actually broke this off, oh, when I was in my early 20s on a, on a coral reef. I had dropped my anchor off Nassau, New Providence, and on my boat my wife Denise and I were out, and the anchor got lodged inside. I didn't mean for it to happen, but it got lodged inside a coral reef, and we could not pull it up. It was about in 30 to 40 feet of water and it was lodged in there well. And the only way I could really get it out, um, I had to break the coral, this piece of brain coral. But instead of just leaving it there to break off and decay and, and be grounded in the sand, I took it home and if you notice there's a couple of felt pieces on the bottom. We used it as a doorstop in our house for many, many years. And uh, I have fond memories of, of this, um, this brain coral. So. Tonight I want to talk about coral, because coral actually, as we've been studying in a marine biology course, and it's, it's so uh, prominent around us about coral, I thought this would be a great lesson, and there's a lot that we can learn from coral in our relationship with God. You see, coral is an amazing animal. As you guys have learned now this week, the coral is an animal. It's in the phylum nadaria. And there are so many different types and so many different shapes of coral. They can be hard like this brain coral or soft like a sea fan or a sea whip. You know, back in the 1980s when I began doing these trees, these reefs trips and marine biology trips down here to the Keys, I uh, loved the, the oceans and stuff here in the Keys because the corals were very healthy. We spent a lot of time diving around Key Largo, and I still can vividly recall back in the 80s uh, diving, scuba diving, and snorkeling around Key Largo and how beautiful the staghorn coral formations were and how large and vast they were. But back in the 1990s, I began to see something disturbing. There were patches of coral that were dead or very ill. Some were covered with a thick algae. Others were bleached white. Back then, it seemed worse in the Key Largo area, so with the marine biology trip, I started moving the diving experiences further south to get away from this. We moved down to Isle Armorada, and after a few years, those reefs started exhibiting some of the same characteristics of the illness. So we went further down um, to the Keys. We went to Lou Key, 
down by Big Pine Key. And we did uh, many of our diving experiences for the marine biology trip at Lou Key. Uh, now we go to the Coffin Patch where very, very few tourists ever go. Um, it's one of the lesser known reefs around here, even though it's a fantastic reef. Um, it's not very crowded, which is one of the reasons we like to go there. Even there though, some of the corals I've noticed in the last few years are showing signs of illness and stress. Because of this happening in the Keys, the, um, about 10 years ago, the Coral Restoration Foundation, Coral Restoration Foundation, began in Key Largo with the main purpose of growing healthy corals in ocean farms and then replanting the young corals on reefs where the illness and the stress destroyed the reefs prior. The Coral Restoration Foundation actually grows corals on farms scattered throughout the Keys. Yes, you heard me correctly, farms of coral. These farms are made, if you go down and visit one with a scuba gear, it's made of PVC pipes, sort of like a Christmas tree thing, and it's lined with monofilament fishing line attached to them. And what they do is they go out and they harvest a really healthy coral cut off a section of it and bring it over and they attach it to the monofilament fishing line on this farm. And then the currents move the nutrients back and forth. There's plenty of sunlight. It's in very healthy water. And when it's large enough, this, this coral you see will continue to grow. Even though it's broken off its fragmentation, this is an asexual form of reproduction of course, they've taken fragments of it and they're growing whole new pieces of coral, larger corals. When it gets large enough, they take it back out to a reef that's been uh, subjected to illness and stuff, and they attach it, they cement it back onto dead coral, um, and then they frequently check it, monitoring it for its growth and its health. So they're trying to replant the corals. It's a phenomenal foundation that that's doing this. I've talked with them, I called the main office and uh, got a lot of information about how they do it and the history of it and and everything. It, it was fascinating. Sometime maybe we'll have to have a research student do a project on this because this is fascinating science going on and trying to save the reefs here. But you see coral, when they take a piece of coral off the coral farm, they have to attach it to uh, a dead coral or a rock. It's got to be attached to a substrate. You see coral cannot grow on a sandy patch. It just can't grow out in the ocean on the sand. It needs to be anchored to a substrate. Yes, Coral has to grow anchored to a substrate. Sandy patches are prone to constant changing of the currents. The sands shift and the substrate shifts, and thus it can't serve as a firm foundation. Coral needs a firm foundation to grow upon and to live its life upon. Now that's a spiritual implication here also. Let me try and explain the biology here really quick. If a baby coral polyp tried to establish itself on a patch of sand, just right there on the sandy bottom, it could easily become covered and smothered by the shifting sand. Some stingray swims by, um, a fish, a, a shark goes by, a wave itself goes by, and it gets covered in sand. The coral might live a few days, maybe even a couple of weeks, but it is going to succumb to the ever-changing foundation it was based upon and it will get smothered. Coral needs a firm foundation, a secure and fixed place to begin its growth. Then, as it grows by asexual reproduction, by adding more polyps and more polyps to itself, it gets bigger. As time goes on, the older polyps die 
and become an even stronger foundation because they secrete this, this skeleton down below, this calcium carbonate skeleton um, of limestone. And they are now the foundation for new corals to come and grow up on top of. As you look at this brain coral here, you can see a section of it along the side that's been sort of cut away. And if you notice, there's just layer upon layer, sort of like rings of a tree in a way. You can see different layers. These are different generations of corals that have grown and died off. And you can see this is extremely dense, very, very thick, solid rock. It's what the rocks here in the Keys are made of. It's coral. I mean, you're talking about a firm foundation here. It's a very, very strong foundation that the new corals can grow upon. Now, in a way, we're all like corals. We're anchored to a foundation to grow and build upon. Now, some people are grounded and fixed upon science as their foundation. I heard just recently someone said, if you want to get to the truth of the matter, you go to science. You don't go to religion. Well, Christianity, first of all, is not a religion. It's a relationship with a holy God. But science, the source of truth? <laughs> well, the problem with that foundation is that science is just like the shifting sands of the sea. What it announces as truth today and is reserved today and published in books today will many times be wrong in the future. For instance... Why do you think many schools change their science textbooks so often? The school district I taught at in Illinois before coming to Fort, we changed our science textbooks a minimum of every five years. Why? It wasn't because the books were being wore out. We sold them to other schools. It was because of the scientific errors that were being found in the books. When a book is in publication, they put the science of what that day is uh, a current knowledge uh, possessing, and then in a year, by the time the book gets in through the printing process, it's already got errors in it because science has changed. You don't believe me? I dare you. Pick up an old 1970s or 1960 biology textbook. I have a bunch of them in my lab, books I used to teach out of. And I know you can go to every single one of those books and find at least one scientific error. If you go back into the 60s or 70s, read the chapter on DNA. Wow, you're going to see all sorts of errors in that. Things that we know now today not being true, but science declared it as truth. Science said it was truth. Science is like the shifting sands. I hate to say it, but it is. It's because science is constantly making claims as truth that are soon discovered to be false. Just let me give you a couple of examples. Science used to say that lipid molecules, not DNA, were the hereditary molecules. That was just in the early 1900s. Science used to say until just a few years ago that junk DNA was actually evolutionary leftovers from when we evolved from lesser animal life forms. And it's not important stuff in our DNA, this junk DNA, and it's just leftovers from evolution. As a matter of fact, in the the very popular TV uh, TV show, Star Trek Next Generation, they did a whole series on this. They did a whole episode where the people de-evolved. Their, their linear DNA, their, their primary introns, uh, stopped functioning, and the junk DNA started to function. And you see people like Barclay, who was in the engineering department, he devolved into a spider. Um, 
Captain Picard devolved into a Lemur. Um, a what's his name? The first officer, Riker. He de, de evolved into a Neanderthal or something. Um, Worf, who knows what in the world that thing was? He devolved into some weird creature. Deanna Troy de evolved into a uh, amphibian. I mean, that was based upon this theory that our junk DNA is evolutionary leftovers from when we were lesser animals. We now know today that is the so bizarre, so science fiction, not correct whatsoever, because junk DNA is so important. How many of you have heard that chimpanzee DNA and human DNA is almost identical? Plus, they will use this as an argument saying that we evolved from the ape-like creature. Of course, you hear this all the time. They're talking about your introns. Oh, chimpanzees have two arms. They have fur. They have two legs. They have two eyes, two nostrils. Of course, there's going to be similarities. But when you examine the DNA, the junk DNA on the DNA, we are so different from them, we're not even in the same classification. The junk DNA. Because it is stuff that causes the cells. We're not even sure what all it does yet. But they're finding out that it carries things and moves things and it triggers things and reactions and stuff. There's so many different things being discovered about it. And the thing is, our junk DNA is nothing like any chimpanzee or actually nothing like any other animal on the planet. Evolution? This goes against Darwinian evolution because it should be very similar. It's not. But science used to say that's what it was. Science used to say that the universe didn't have a starting point. Albert Einstein actually stated that at one point until he was corrected by a Roman Catholic priest who was also a scientist who said, you made a little error there, Einstein, and pointed it out. And then Einstein said, how could I have made such a big blunder? Science used to say that there was a net, uh, set number of stars in the universe. A set number, and they were all alike. Something like 1,026. That's how many stars there were. Well, now we have the Hubble t Space Telescope looking into the deepest parts of space, and we still see more galaxies than we ever thought even existed. We now say, just what the Bible says, you cannot count the stars in heaven. Jeremiah tells us that. In, in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says that stars are not always the same, that their stars differ from other stars. There's different classifications of stars. Exactly what the Bible said. Science is now finally catching up with this. Science used to say that there was no such thing as the water cycle, yet it's described perfectly in the Bible in many different books. Or how about this one? Science used to say that if a person is sick, bleed them. Yeah, bleed them. They'll make cuts into the person, drain off blood, thinking that would make them well. The day George Washington, our founding president, died of an infection of the epiglottis, at least that's what they thought it was, his doctors, they got called over to his house there at Mount Vernon while wow, the guy's dying. What should we do? I don't know. It's a bad infection. I know. Let's bleed him. So they, this is true. They drained out 35% of his blood, thinking that would heal him. It killed him. But science was saying, oh, no, you see, this is how you heal. Oh, yeah, science is your source of truth. Science is a shift, shape-changing creature. It's like mystique. You never knew what you got in, like, the X-Men things. You never know what you're going to get. Um, many, in, um, many examples that we see in books and movies and stuff have these weird creatures. Even Tolkien's um, The Lord of the Rings series, uh, Sauron was able to shift his shape and change shapes and change into different things. That's how science is. What kind of truth is that? You don't know what you're looking at. Science 
is as shifting as the sands on the seashore. The way they look today will not be exactly the same way they're going to be tomorrow or even when the next new wave comes in. It's going to change their position. To say that science is your foundation of truth and what you're going to anchor your life to is like building your life upon a sandcastle at low tide. Look what happens when the tide comes in. That castle does not survive. It is destroyed. It is changed utterly. So let me ask you, what is your foundation? What are you anchored to? Now, the Bible gives us a fantastic answer for this. And it's found in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It tells us that we have a firm foundation, a good foundation to build your life upon, one that doesn't change. And that's what you want to build a foundation on. You change the foundation of a house, watch these home uh, work project TV shows, um, you know, like Home Time or um, Ask This Old House. What happens when a house foundation starts shifting? The house starts to crumble. You need a strong foundation. And I'm telling you, the Bible is what you need. Let's take a look at what God says in verses 19 through 22 of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. We're going to take it verse at a time, and let me show you how wonderful God has laid this out for us. So the first verse, 2.19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Now, what does that tell us right there? Like a coral, a coral is the same type of polyp and it grows next to existing polyps of the same kind. Through asexual reproduction, they bud and they produce more polyps. The new polyp is not a stranger or an alien. It's a fellow member, a fellow citizen, just like it says in this verse. And look how God refers to us, how he calls us. What's he, what, what words does he use to describe us? Members of the household of God. Do you understand that? Do you comprehend what's being said here? We, as Christians now, are members of God's household, members of God's family. Folks, we are even told by God to call him Father. Look at the next verse. This is where it gets really interesting. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. This verse here is talking directly about a foundation. Like coral built upon a firm foundation, Christians, we are built upon a firm foundation also. What is that foundation? It is the foundation of the teachings of the apostles, what we have in our New Testament, and what the prophets, the whole Bible, what they wrote. In other words, it's the word of God. You want a foundation to build upon? There you are. The apostles' teachings and the prophets' writings, that's the word of God. God is telling us, here's what you build your foundation on, my word. Look at verse 21. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You know, coral is like, uh, that is composed of similar polyps, are joined together into a temple. I wish we could have got out to the coffin patch. 
because the coffin patch reef has a type of coral that you don't see in many places in the Keys, but it is abundant out there. It's called pillar coral. It grows in very large, tall pillars, very different than other types of corals. It stands up when you see these things. It, it reminds one of looking at the tall spires of a cathedral. It's, it's like a temple itself. The Temple of God in Jerusalem was destroyed after Christ's resurrection in 70 AD. We no longer have to meet with God at that temple. That temple's gone. No, we, we Christians are the body of believers and are now God's holy temple. What do we call when we put all the believers together? We call it church. Church is the temple. I'll continue, but look at verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, Christians are the temple of God, he just said. What's in that temple? The Spirit of God is in that temple. Like a coral polyp that thrives because it has a power source that we've learned now in the lecture on, on corals. There's a living tissue, living algae that lives inside of coral polyps, and it's called zooxanthellene algae. And that algae, living in this mutualistic relationship, fuels the coral, the living animal cells of the coral, fuels it, strengthens it, removes the, the waste products, and, and gives it energy, gives it oxygen, gives it sugars and other carbohydrates. We Christians have a similar thing. The spirit of the living God living inside of us. He fuels us. He guides us. He strengthens us. He removes the wastes of sin from us. Do you see how similar we are? We are a temple. If you're a born-again Christian, God put his Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. You carry the Spirit of God inside of you all the time. You want to talk about power? Wow! The Spirit of the living God living inside of us? <laughs> no wonder we should be thinking that God can do anything with us because His Spirit lives in us. You know, and it doesn't end here. The very next chapter of the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, we're told more about this living God living inside of us. In verses 13, 14, and 15, look what Paul writes here in chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Now, Paul wrote this to the Christians in the city of Corinth. Another message on the same thing. This was to Ephesians, but to the church in Corinth, Paul also wrote the same message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, look what he tells this messed up church. But even so, they were messed up. They had a lot of things wrong. He spoke to them as a loving father teaching his children, and he explained a dynamic truth to them. Verses 19 and 20 of chapter 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Yes, folks, we can learn a lot by studying a coral 
But coral has a lot of similarities. It has to grow in a foundation. And it's got to be a strong foundation. We also are attached to a strong foundation. Coral grows into like a temple-like structure. We are the temple of God. You want power in your life? Then attach yourself to their strong foundation. What do you do in life when difficulties come? And they will come. Some of you have already experienced all sorts of difficulties in your life and in your family. It's not going to get better. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us as the time gets closer to the end, things are going to get worse. What are you going to stand on? What is going to be your foundation? Shifting sands of science or the firm foundation of the Word of God? There's a hymn that was written a long time ago that talks specifically on this. It's a great hymn. We don't sing it too often in churches today. Most people have never even heard of it. It was written by a gal named Priscilla Owens. It's called We Have an Anchor. Listen to this. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Priscilla Owens understood this concept. What are you anchoring your life to? Father, we thank you for this time we've had here as we've just explored about corals. And Lord, I pray that this, this message, this lesson that you've given us just doesn't go in one ear and out the other, just that it makes no impact. But Lord, that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak and touch and talk to each person. Let us all, myself included, seriously consider what we are anchored to. Is it shifting ideologies and, and theories? Or is it something that is strong and firm and does not change? I pray that everyone anchors themselves, Lord, to the rock, to Jesus Christ. And we can trust in the writings of the apostles and the prophets because that is the truth. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.